The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, August 25th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The highly anticipated Jackson Hole Symposium kicks off today. We are there with the latest. China takes steps to stimulate its economy. Chipmaker NVIDIA gives a disappointing sales forecast. I mean, the latest reaction to President Biden's plan to forgive a portion of student loans held by millions. The NYPD has ordered no unnecessary talking among police officers while out in the streets, plus the Baldy, Texas school police chief has been fired. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. A longtime giant back at practice. The Mets begin a homestand against Colorado. The Yankees start a road trip in Oakland. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 36 points this morning. Dow futures up 208. And NASDAQ futures up 130. 10-year Treasury up 532 seconds, yield 3.08%, and a yield on the two-year 3.35%. Nathan. Karen, it is the event Wall Street has been waiting for all week. The Federal Reserve's annual Jackson Hole Economic Symposium kicks off today. Bloomberg's Tom Keene is in Jackson Hole covering it for us. Nathan and Karen, hugely anticipated Jackson Hole. Some of them have been really pretty quiet, but we look out today and into the chairman's speech Friday, and we can say this time is different. We've got markets on the move. We've got foreign exchange on the move, but far more, we've got this huge transatlantic divide, the difference in the economies of Europe and a beleaguered United Kingdom and a relatively strong United States. All right, Tom, thank you. Please stick with Tom Keen and the rest of the Bloomberg team for complete live coverage of the Jackson Hole Symposium. Tom, along with Lisa Abramowitz and Jonathan Farrow, will have a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance beginning at 7 a.m. on both Bloomberg Radio and television. Well, Nathan, as Tom mentioned, the key event at Jackson Hole takes place tomorrow when Fed Chairman Jay Powell delivers a highly anticipated speech. Charles Schwab, Chief Investment Strategist Liz Ann Saunders, does not think the Fed will change course and pivot to cutting rates. In my mind, the only condition under which the Fed would so quickly move to a rate-cutting mode would not just be a retreat in inflation. I think that would damage their credibility if they went to rate-cutting simply because inflation has started to come down. That would only, I think, be preceded by a, a, a much more significant worsening in the economy than what we already have here and or a much more significant worsening in the labor market. 
And Charles Schwab chief investment strategist Lizanne Saunders says she could see the Fed pivoting to slower, slow rate hikes rather than rate cuts. Well, as you mentioned, Karen, U.S. futures are higher ahead of Jackson Hole. In Asia, stocks rose for the first time in six sessions as investors welcomed an extra $146 billion worth of pledged stimulus from Chinese authorities. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index jumped the most in two weeks, driven by gains across the region, including in Japan, China, Hong Kong and South Korea. Trade in Hong Kong was shuttered in the morning session due to a storm warning, but equities jumped the most in two weeks in the afternoon session on the back of the China stimulus announcement. The Aussie also rose as traders bet the stimulus would boost demand for commodities. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. A couple of stocks here in the U.S. on the move in the pre-market. Shares of NVIDIA down 3%. The chipmaker gave a disappointing forecast for the current quarter. We get the details from Bloomberg's Doug Kirsner. Just two weeks ago, NVIDIA warned sales for its recent quarter would come in well below original expectations. A drop in demand for PC gaming chips got the blame, along with challenging market conditions. Well, now guidance for the current quarter suggests the slump is going to last. For Q3, revenue will be about $5.9 billion, roughly a billion below the average analyst estimate. NVIDIA is contending with a rapid shift from supply shortages to ballooning stockpiles of unsold products. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks. On the flip side, shares of Snowflake are surging. They are up almost 18%. Let's get the reason live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. The company, which helps businesses organize data in the cloud, projected quarterly product sales that'll top estimates. Snowflake charges customers based on how much they use its data storage and analytics products rather than charging a flat rate subscription. Now, you may recall Snowflake rose to prominence in September of 2020 with one of the biggest U.S. IPOs for a software company. But ever since reaching a record share price of almost $402 in November, the stock has tumbled 60%. Live in Washington, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Well, shares a Tesla up 2% in early trading, and we get the reason why from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. A three-for-one split of Tesla stock went into effect after the markets closed yesterday. The split-adjusted shares begin trading today. Tesla said when it proposed the split that it wanted to be able to offer equity options to every employee. But stock in the electric vehicle maker will also be more affordable for retail investors looking to buy individual shares. Employees who are invested in the company stand to benefit if new investors push the stock higher. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Jeff, thanks. Let's turn to Washington now, where President Biden's made his long-awaited announcement on student loan forgiveness. He's canceling $10,000 in college debt for Americans who earn less than 125 thousand twenty thousand if they received a Pell Grant and he's extending the pause on repayments through the end of the year, capping those payments at five percent of monthly income. All this means people can start finally crawl out from under that mountain of debt get on top of their rent and their utilities. But President Biden's move is already adding to concerns about inflation. Rick Davis is a contributor for Bloomberg Politics. It just took a year for Biden to pass the Inflation Reduction Act, which mm-hmm. which reduced the national debt by just under $300 billion. He just added $500 billion, including the extension, maybe even more, uh, uh, to replace that. Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. You can catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. 
And again, futures are higher this morning. S&P futures are up 35 points. Dow futures up 199. And NASDAQ futures up 129. That's up about 1%. The DAX in Germany is up six-tenths of a percent. And the 10-year Treasury is up six-thirty seconds. Yield 3.08%. They yield on the two-year 3.35%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Karen, thank you. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 74 degrees in Central Park. Got some delays getting to the upper level of the George Washington Bridge from the cross Bronx. Some late construction. We'll get you the details in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The MTA will hold a meeting today about congestion pricing. The public will get a chance to speak about the controversial plan. Some drivers could see up to $23 every time they drive into certain parts of Manhattan. The NYPD ordered officers to stop unnecessary chatting while on the job. The New York Post reports the orders came from a department-wide memo. Several weeks ago, Mayor Eric Adams was recorded criticizing officers for standing around talking while working. Adams said they should spread out for better coverage. The school district police chief in Uvalde, Texas, was fired last night. The school board voted unanimously to release police chief Pete Arredondo. The motion was introduced by trustee Laura Perez and received unanimous support. Finally, I move to authorize the superintendent to issue written notice to Mr. Arredondo of this board action, including filing any needed reports required by the termination. Trustee Laura Perez and community members slammed Arredondo for what they said was a slow response and all the children who died as a result of the mass shooting. The widow of the late Kobe Bryant has been awarded $16 million in a lawsuit against Los Angeles County. Vanessa Bryant had sued the county after pictures taken by a sheriff's deputy and firefighter at the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash site was shared with a number of people. The Biden administration has won an Idaho judge's order ensuring women abortions in medical emergencies. More from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. The Idaho law had defined the right to abortion to a woman whose life was in danger. The judge ruled it too narrow and then ruled that there would be no prosecution of doctors who perform abortions in an emergency. Now, just yesterday, a Texas judge ruled the other way. The conflicting rulings show the patchwork of abortion laws on the books, but it does give the Biden administration some precedent to continue to pursue cases. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Global news, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 509 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshaw. Good morning, Nathan. Well-earned days off for the Mets and the Yankees. Back tonight, Mets will have Jacob deGrom on the mound at City Field against Colorado. Start of a 10-game homestand with the Dodgers and Washington to follow. The Atlanta Braves won again. 14-2 in Pittsburgh. The Braves are only a game and a half behind the Mets. The Yankees are tonight in Oakland. That's a team that is 20-41 at home. Yankees have won three in a row all by the same score of 4-2. The Giants just lost a wide receiver and got one back. Colin Johnson looked good in the two preseason games. He had 11 catches, but he just tore his Achilles in practice. 
just as Sterling Shepard entering his seventh season with the Giants made his first appearance at practice back from his Achilles injury suffered late last season. Giants and Jets have their annual preseason game Sunday afternoon at MetLife. NFL Hall of Famer Len Dawson has died at 87. Quarterback Kansas City to an upset win in Super Bowl IV. PGA Tour responding to players leaving for the new Live Tour with new policies and initiatives, more bigger events, a commitment from top players to play in them, and more prize money at those events. The commissioner is Jay Monahan. This is a remarkable time for the tour. We have and always will be the ultimate platform for a player who wants to compete for the trophies and the titles that matter most. To now have our top players rally around this organization and commit to a portfolio of tournaments like never before. No lack of prize money on the line this weekend. At the season-ending tour championship that tees off today in Atlanta, the winner wins $18 million. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. S&P futures are moving on up, up 33 points right now. Dow futures up 184. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 120 points. Ten-year treasury is up 6.30 seconds. The yield uh, close to 3.08%. Yield on the two-year, 3.35%. Some big moves in stocks and treasuries ahead of the Jackson Hole Symposium kicking off later this morning. We get a preview next with Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist, at BMO Capital Markets. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather. Sunny near 90 today. Upper 80s tomorrow with a chance for a late day shower or thunderstorm. Sunshine upper 80s for Saturday will be in the mid 80s by Sunday. Right now, 74 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are rising as China's massive stimulus and better-than-expected economic data from Germany steady some nerves in the anxious wait for a key speech by Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. Treasury yields and the dollar gauge are dipping. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 29 points. Dow futures up 158. And NASDAQ futures up 100. The DAX in Germany is up four-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds. Yield 3.07 percent. Yield on the two year 3.34 percent nymex crude oil is up a quarter percent or 26 cents at 95 dollars 15 cents a barrel comex gold up nine tenths percent or 15 dollars 50 cents at 1777 an ounce the euro 1.0009 against the dollar british pound 1.1854 and the yen 136.42 and bitcoin this morning lower down a tenth of a percent at 21,660 dollars that's a bloomberg business flash now here's michael barr with more on what's going on around the world michael Good morning. Good morning, Karen. Reaction to President Biden's announcement of $10,000 in student loan forgiveness. Some expected more debt cancellation. Others called it another handout, adding to the country's deficit woes. Senator Mitch McConnell called it a slap in the face to every family who sacrificed to save for college every graduate who paid their debt. A Russian missile strike in Ukraine killed at least 22 people on the day that the nation was celebrating 31 years of independence from the old Soviet Union. In baseball, the Red Sox and Orioles lost. The Nationals won. The A's beat the Marlins in 10 innings, 3-2. The Giants lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan? All right, Michael. 
Bill. Thank you. It is 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak on Thursday, August 25th, day one of the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium. It is finally upon us. Let's get a preview now. Jennifer Lee joins us, senior economist at BMO Capital Markets. Jen, it's great to speak with you this morning. We've been sort of counting down the days until the kickoff of this Federal Reserve event. I'm trying to think back to whether there's been this much anticipation for a Jackson Hole. Has there? I think there is always uh, uh, this. This event is always highly anticipated. To you know that something will happen um, this year. You know, I, I think I might be wrong. You know, I've, it's, it's happened before, but you know, I don't know how he can change his tone too much from what he has already been saying. Um, you know, in, in the past few months, you know, I think there's so, so much debate right now about how dovish she could possibly be, and at the same time, there's also debate about how hawkish she could be. So, it, you know, it's, it's basically playing both sides right now. I think he's going to stay, um, stay uh, on the hawkish track. I don't know wh- why he would change his tone so quickly. Yes, we've had some weaker, you know, economic um, data, especially on the housing front. We finally saw some pullback on the headline inflation, but, you know, it's going to be far, far too soon to, to ring the, the dovish bell. Well, what do you think the Fed needs to see to ring that dovish bell, Jen? I think it has to be a few months, at least a few months. You know, the, the, what, are, what are the quotes the, the various Fed officials have been saying? You know, it's um, need more compelling evidence. Um, someone said last week it's way too soon to ring the victory bell or to do a victory dance. You know, you need to see at least a few months of cooler economic uh, or cooler inflation readings for sure, not just on the headline but on and but on the, the core reading as well. You know the fact that energy prices have pulled back. You know um, uh, maybe not this morning, but you know we're, now we're falling back below $100. I think it is important as long as they stay down there, that will certainly help. But again, you're going to have to see um, a few, at least a few months, at least of, of cooler, cool inflation readings um, before, and then of course, you know, more pullback on the consumer spending front before they can, you know, um, finally breathe a little bit easier. And when I say becoming a little bit, you know, um, less uh, pulling back, you know, instead of doing 75 basis point rate hikes, you know, seeing more um, um, smaller numbers, like smaller increases, like 50s. So we're we're looking for two more rate hikes this year. Um, uh, sorry, at the, uh, the next two meetings, 50 basis points each, and then. Uh, capping it off with a 25 basis point hike in December. Since you brought up energy prices, that's one of those factors that uh, the Fed doesn't have a whole lot of control over when it comes to reining in inflation. Do you expect any kind of commentary on what the Fed can do as far as getting a handle on inflation outside the core? They, he's, he's going to say that, you know, that you know, that monetary policy can only affect the demand side, but in terms of the energy front, especially given, you know, what the, the, the ongoing, um, you know, the battle in, you know, in, in Russia and Ukraine, there's not much, as you point out, that he can do. But when it does fall, um, it does have um, um, reverberating effects, I guess, on, on other areas. You know, gasoline prices will feel the, the, the positive impact from that, and that will ultimately help consumer spending as well. So that helps soften the blow. So at least, you know, we can't have it both ways. We can't say that they're going to be pulling back and becoming a little bit more dovish, but at the same time worry, worry about um, recession. I mean, he has to, um, you know, we, the fact that energy prices are coming down will help, again, you know, consumer, uh, consumer pockets, consumer spending, and that will help soften the blow for the economy itself. So we won't see that big, a uh, hard recession that some are calling for. Ahead of the uh, symposium getting underway here, we've seen some pretty big moves in the stock and particularly the bond markets. How could that potentially affect what we hear this week? 
Um, you know, it, this is going. This is the ongoing volatility that we continue to see when you know when we see uh, you know weaker weaker data, for example, from the housing front, stronger data from from durable goods orders, for example, yesterday. So I think he's going to sort of look past all these wiggles, you know, with uh, uh, with with, uh, with with both stocks and bonds, and continue to focus on the fundamental data. And again, continuing to look for weaker uh, or weaker demand, and subsequently softer inflation readings. In our last 30 seconds here, Jen, just to put you on the spot a little bit, how long do you think it's going to take for the Fed to get down to the uh, 2% inflation target? Oh, that is going to take, I think it's going to take some time. Um, you know, we, we still have, we're still, you know, we've, we've actually been trimming our inflation forecast a little bit over the past couple of weeks. So it's something we haven't done in quite a while, but we're looking for, you know, around 3%-ish um, inflation by the end of 2023. So probably, you know, a 2024 story before we start seeing um, something that's closer to target on the inflation front. Thanks for this, Jen. Great having you on with us this morning. Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist at BMO Capital Markets, ahead of the Jackson Hole Symposium kicking off uh, later on this morning. And, of course, Fed Chairman Powell's speech tomorrow at 10 a.m. Wall Street time. We're going to have full coverage of Jackson Hole for you, starting with Bloomberg Surveillance, a special edition from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrell, and Lisa Bromwitz kicking off right here on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television just after this show at 7 a.m. Wall Street time. S&P futures ahead of all that up 27 points. Dow futures up 150. NASDAQ futures are higher by 97 points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny near 90 today, probably mostly sunny tomorrow with a chance for a late-day shower, thunderstorm highs in the upper 80s. We'll be in the mid-80s to around 90 all weekend long. Right now, 74 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. It's the event Wall Street has been waiting for, the Federal Reserve's annual Jackson Hole Economic Symposium kicking off today. Bloomberg's Lisa Abramowitz is covering it for us in Jackson Hole. Join us at a monumental Jackson Hole Symposium hosted by the Kansas City Federal Reserve. This is going to be one of the most consequential meetings of Fed officials as they digest some of the changes facing the economy, facing inflation, facing monetary policy as we know it. Some of the big questions Jay Powell will be addressing include where is the terminal rate? Where should rates end up in an economy beset by inflation? And what should we expect in an employment market that still is strong yet is showing signs of weakness? I'm Lisa Abramowitz, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Lisa, thank you. Well, please stick with Bloomberg for complete live coverage of the Jackson Hole Symposium. Lisa, along with Tom Keene and Jonathan Farrow, will have a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance beginning at 7 a.m. on both Bloomberg Radio and Television. And, of course, the key event, Karen, is Fed Chair Jay Powell's highly anticipated speech tomorrow morning. Morgan Stanley Chief Investment Officer Mike Wilson tells Bloomberg he's not too concerned if Powell signals a rate hike pivot. The big change this time versus, say, prior periods, 
when markets got excited about a Fed pivot is this time they're not going to. So most investors, I think, are realistic about the Fed and inflation. What they're not realistic about is they're not accounting for the negative operating leverage that we're about to experience. Morgan Stanley CIO Mike Wilson says he is bearish on equity markets because of quantitative tightening. Well, on Wall Street, Nathan, shares of NVIDIA down almost 4% in early trading after the chipmaker released a weak quarterly forecast. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. It was just a couple of weeks ago that NVIDIA warned sales would come in well below expectations. And yesterday, it gave a disappointing forecast for the current period, adding to signs of weakness in the semiconductor industry. Fiscal third quarter revenue will be about $5.9 billion. That's compared with an average analyst estimate of $6.92 billion. NVIDIA blames declining demand for chips used in gaming computers, citing challenging market conditions. Live in Washington, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And shares of Tesla could be on the move today. The company's three-for-one split-adjusted shares begin trading today. And futures this morning are higher. S&P futures up about 25 points. Dow futures up 131. And NASDAQ futures up 84. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 74 degrees in Central Park. Delays improving, getting to the upper-level GWB. We'll tell you more in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. The NYPD ordered officers to stop unnecessary conversation while on the job. The New York Post reports the orders came from a department-wide memo. Several weeks ago, Mayor Eric Adams was recorded criticizing officers for standing around talking while working. Adams said they should spread out for better coverage. Last night, Mayor Adams also held a community conversation about public safety. This city was a mess. Don't kid yourselves. It wasn't you. It was a city of just complete dysfunctionality. You couldn't even get a inspection done in time in the Department of Builders. You you thought that every time someone walked aside your small business from an agency, they came with a fine book instead of saying, how do I keep your doors open? Mayor Adams held the meeting on Staten Island. Uvalde School District Police Chief Pete Arandondo has been fired following an investigation after the May 24th mass shooting at the town's Robb Elementary School. The decision was announced last night by the school board following months of calls for such a move. Vicente Salazar's granddaughter, Layla, died that day. The termination was long coming. I think it should have been done immediately, but it wasn't. It took us three months to get this done. Vicente Salazar was one of many community members who spoke before the vote to fire Arredondo. The MTA will hold a meeting today about congestion pricing. The public will get a chance to speak about the controversial plan. Some drivers could see up to $23 every time they drive into certain parts of Manhattan. More busloads of migrants are expected to arrive today in New York City from Texas. Earlier migrants were seen wearing what appeared to be bracelets from Texas. New York officials cut the bracelets off when they arrived. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 535 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. A welcome sight at Giants practice. Veteran wideout Sterling Shepard on the field. Back from an Achilles injury suffered late last season, but it comes on the same day 
that another wideout, Colin Johnson, hurt his Achilles, so his season's over before it begins. And Johnson had looked good in the two Giants preseason wins. Giants looked to cap a 3-0 and preseason, and they faced the Jets Sunday afternoon in MetLife. Hall of Famer Len Dawson died at 87, grew up in Ohio, one of 11 kids. Six straight seasons in the 1960s, he had the AFL's highest completion percentage, led the Chiefs to two Super Bowls. The loss to Green Bay in the first one, the upset win in Super Bowl four. Yankees are in Oakland tonight, first of four with the A's. It's a 10-game road trip that will also see them face the Angels and Rays. Aaron Boone's team seemingly snapped out of its slump for a three straight win. It's been a tough stretch. We're grinding. I think I think these wins can go a long way in, in kind of helping you build a little bit of confidence and, and get that swagger back a little bit, hopefully. The Yankees don't return home until September 5th. Mets off a 4-6 and six road trip that saw their NL East lead over Atlanta shrink to a game and a half. Now home for 10 straight, beginning tonight against Colorado. Jacob DeGrom on the mound. Mets will try to avoid what would be only their third three-game losing streak of the season. MLB out with the 2023 schedule. It has fewer division games, more interleague games. The Yankees actually will start the season against the San Francisco Giants. Season-ending tour championship golf tees off today in Atlanta. Top 29 players vying for prize money that has the winner collecting $18 million. This is the PGA is increasing prize money next year in effort to keep players from leaving for the Live Tour. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Thanks, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Wendy Gillette. Billions in federal dollars is still heading to small businesses as part of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. It's a total of $10 billion to help small businesses access capital. The goal is to leverage the money into $100 billion in total investments. In Connecticut, $119 million will be used to operate a future fund and a tech fund to support clean energy and environment-safe manufacturing companies. A new report from Rutgers shows New Jersey's child care workforce is struggling to bounce back after the pandemic at the same pace as other private industries. In the third quarter of last year, the workforce was at 84% of pre-pandemic levels compared to 98% for overall private employment. Salem County was even lower, just 60% of pre-pandemic levels. And the New York State Fair had a big opening day, 50,000 people attending yesterday. That's over 11,700 more than last year. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Wendy Gillette. Thanks, Wendy. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Joan Doniger telling WHAS listeners in Louisville, Amazon is shutting down its primary care and telehealth service. I'm Steve Potisk, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about Oscar Mayer and Pop Bar's hot dog-flavored ice pop. I'm Wendy Gillette on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting on money available to small businesses. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the growing calls for immediate action on energy prices to shield consumers and businesses in the UK. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that the U.S. Supreme Court is being asked to review Minnesota and Nebraska's tax sale laws. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. With this week's long-awaited announcement of limited student debt forgiveness, President Joe Biden hopes to give Democrats a boost in this fall's midterm elections. But whatever the short-term political gains... 
The decision is a costly mistake. The policy, which will offer up to $20,000 in debt cancellation to Pell Grant recipients and up to $10,000 to others, could wipe clean the slate for 20 million borrowers. Yet student loan forgiveness is regressive, benefiting those who attended college at the expense of those who didn't. In one stroke, Biden has undermined his commitment to fiscal discipline and created a significant moral hazard. Canceling these debts may well please parts of Biden's base, but others will be stuck footing the bill. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Ahead of Jackson Hole, futures moving higher. S&P futures up 22 points. Dow futures up 119. NASDAQ futures are higher by 78 points. The 10-year Treasury yield 3.07%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunny near 90 today. Partly to mostly sunny with a late-day shower storm possible tomorrow, upper 80s. Mostly sunny, upper 80s for Saturday, mid-80s by Sunday. Right now, 74 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and stocks are on the rise. So are U.S. stock index futures as China's massive stimulus and better-than-expected economic data from Germany steady some nerves in the anxious wait for a key speech from Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 21 points this morning. Dow futures up 103. NASDAQ futures up 72. The DAX in Germany is little change. Ten-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds. Yield 3.07%. Yield on the two year, 3.35%. NYMEX crude oil is little change. It's at $94.81 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1% or $16.80 at 1778.30 an ounce. The euro is at 1 against the dollar. British pound 1.1841 and the yen 136.42. And looking at Bitcoin, it is down a tenth of a percent at $21,670. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Uvalde, Texas School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo has been fired following allegations that he made several critical mistakes during a mass shooting that left 19 students and two teachers dead. A flash flood warning is in effect for much of Mississippi after torrential rains caused evacuations, washed out roads, and led to water rescues. Air regulators in California are expected to announce today there will be a statewide ban on the sale of new gasoline vehicles by 2035. In baseball, the Red Sox and Orioles lost. The Nationals won. The A's beat the Marlins in 10 innings 3-2. The Giants lost. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak on a very important day. Once again, for markets, we are joined by Ivy Jack. 
Jack this morning, head of equity research at North Star Asset Management. Ivy, it's good to speak with you this morning. There's been plenty of volatility ahead of the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium. It kicks off this morning. What are you looking for as we actually get to the event? Uh, thank you. First of all, uh, thank you for having me. What are we looking for? Um, I would say right now, I don't know that we're looking for anything in particular, but I can tell you what we're expecting. We are continue. Uh, we believe the Fed has the mandate to continue fighting inflation, and we believe that um, they're going to continue to be probably pretty aggressive, maybe more aggressive, I think, than many are anticipating right now. Um, and so what we are expecting is continued volatility and a lot of uncertainty going into the back half of the year. Do you think that means that we could test the June low for the market that we saw then? Oh, most definitely. Um, in fact, I've been a little bit surprised that, um, you know, that the market has been as positive as it is and is as up as much as it is right now. So I definitely think so. Look, we're already seeing a slowdown um, in several industries coming out of earnings. Um, on top of seeing a slowdown, there are several other things that we just don't know going into the back half of the year including, you know, COVID. COVID is still with us um, to the extent that it continues to pop up. It could present uh, more disruption um, in the supply chain. We're still dealing with, uh, as well, uh, supply chain disruption issues that still haven't been really resolved. Um, on top of that, um, you know, we've also been watching kind of the movements also in the labor force as well. The labor force continues to be tight. Um, and companies are still trying to figure out how to navigate, um, you know, this hybrid remote situation. So um, there are several factors we're looking at, but going into the fall and going into the winter, we're paying close attention to the impacts of COVID and also higher energy prices. So what does that mean in terms of positioning? Uh, how are you looking at uh, different sectors or different factors uh, in this type of environment? Uh, we're continuing to maintain a defensive posture. So, you know, we are looking, um, you know, there are certain sectors that are, are known historically as being kind of defensive. So I think, you know, we're looking at that. But in general, we are staying close to our investment criteria in terms of, you know, we only invest in companies that are profitable. We invest in companies that have demonstrated their ability to generate strong and sustainable free cash flows. And I think importantly, given that we are socially responsible investors, we are very focused on uh, companies that make products that are beneficial to life, things that are necessary and needed, as opposed to fads that are trendy. So uh, I would say for us, during times of uncertainty, we lean even closer to what we, um, our investment criteria and what we look for. There's been some discussion that the U.S. may be a little bit better positioned uh, economically than other parts of the world, particularly Europe, with the energy crisis that they're facing. Do U.S. stocks look more attractive to you than than uh, stocks outside the U.S.? At this point in time, yes, um, because of all the factors that you named. So that is something that we're watching really closely. Um, we're watching um, – you know, this fall, what happens with COVID? Um, we're also watching what uh, Europe does in terms of interest rates as well. 
Um, I think it's a little bit tricky for them in the sense that you have several different countries. And so in terms of monetary policy, it's not quite as um, easy of a process as it is here in the U.S. So, yes, we're definitely watching what's happening in Europe, but I would say we certainly believe that the U.S. is, you know, we're in a better in a better position to weather multiple storms that are coming. Well, last 30 seconds here, Ivy, what kind of market reaction do you expect from what Chairman Powell has to say tomorrow? Um, you know, I don't know what kind of reaction to expect, um, but I can say this. I, I think that there are parts of the market that are continuing to underestimate um, how much work the Fed might have to do in order to bring inflation in line. And so um, my, my my hope is that we get to a place where we are a little bit more realistic as opposed to optimistic. Um, and, you know, we'll see that reflected in the market. Thanks, Ivy. Good having you with us this morning. Ivy Jack, Head of Equity Research at North Star Asset Management. Karen. Nathan, thank you. It is 554 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The California Supreme Court declined to review an appellate court ruling that Uber is not liable for assaults by criminals who got victims into their cars by pretending to be Uber drivers. A federal lawsuit accuses American Express of firing hundreds of white employees so the firm could hire more black workers. And a Texas-based farm produce distributor will pay more than $18,000 to settle Justice Department charges that it unlawfully hired foreign visa holders over two U.S. citizens. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis last week trumpeted the arrests of 20 people who allegedly committed voter fraud by casting ballots even though they were convicted felons. But many of those people say they thought they were entitled to vote. For more on this and the impact of voting rights restoration, Bloomberg's Greg Store and Kimberly Robinson spoke with Neil Voles, Deputy Director of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. This all stems from a 2018 ballot initiative that your group sponsored. Tell us what that ballot initiative did. Yeah, well, in 2018, the voters of Florida passed Amendment 4, uh, which restored uh, the voting eligibility for nearly 1.4 million people with past felony convictions. Uh, Folks like myself and and others in our movement who uh, had past felony convictions and who up until that point had to deal with a lifetime voting ban in the state of Florida. So this was a, there's a little bit of history here because this is kind of like a Dickens novel, right? The best of times, the worst of times. On one hand, we saw the largest expansion of democracy in our country in a generation, but we also saw the implementation of that uh, amendment end up requiring people to pay certain financial obligations before uh, they are, in fact, eligible to vote, which means that there are hundreds of thousands of people with uh, past convictions who are still not yet able to vote in the state of Florida. That's right. Yeah, that was one of the questions that I had was, you know, there is this requirement that felons have to pay off all fines and fees before being able to vote. What effect does that have with restoring voting rights? Uh, Is there any kind of evidence that most people have been able to get their voting rights back, or is this being a real block for that? Well, one, as far as our organization and this movement, I mean, we just get up every day, you know, kind of put our work boots on and and just keep moving forward. And I know according to the voter file, last month's voter file, 
Um, there are about 216,000 people with past convictions who are currently registered uh, in the state of Florida. And that's a lot of people, a lot of families, a lot of voices being heard. Uh, but we know there's still a long way to go, uh, especially when you consider that uh, there are hundreds of thousands of people who continue to not be eligible because they owe financial obligations. And that's Neil Voles, Deputy Director of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, speaking with Bloomberg's Kimberly Robinson and Greg Storr. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. And again, future is higher this morning. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headline and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.